All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo. I'm joined by Anthony Pine this week. We've an interview coming up with Josh Cullen, uh, who is enjoying a stellar season with Anderlecht and also has been part of the revival with the Republic of Ireland over the last two windows. So that's coming up in a little while. But uh, before we get to that, Anthony, um, our colleague Ed Leahy wrote a piece uh, just about the Irish players that may need a move uh, this coming January. And uh, if anybody's looking for the title, is New Year offers opportunities to Stephen Kenny's benchmen. So you'll find if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll find it in the description. But it's on the uh, RT uh, website, just in the soccer section. But uh, the two I wanted to focus on, and um, just uh, before we bring you the Cullen interview, is Adam Ida, who got to play a full ninety minutes on Tuesday for Norwich, and also Aaron Connolly, because they're two kind of young players with potential, but. Just this season, um, things haven't really worked out for them in terms of game time. Where are you at in terms of their development, Anthony? Well, I mean, not that much between them in terms of their age, but I think they are in very different uh, stages in terms of their development because Conley obviously burst onto the scene. Uh, It feels like a lifetime ago now when we got those two goals against Spurs. And uh, it just it, it hasn't happened for him since. I mean, we all expect him to be you know, uh, a prominent striker for Brighton and for the Republic of Ireland. And he's been unfortunate, you know, between COVID and injuries that have just hurt his progress. But he seems to be a guy who Brighton as a team are on an upward curve and he is in danger of being left behind. I mean, it's it's kind of happened in the last six months, particularly that he he doesn't look like he's part of the uh, the central plan for Graham Potter now. Other other people have, have taken him over. So uh, I think for, for Connolly, um, I think he does need a move just, just to kind of freshen things up for himself, uh, a different challenge. And, you know, the talk is that Middlesbrough are interested in him. Chris Wilder is the manager there now. They're doing well. They're a progressive championship team now. I think they're fifth at the minute. Uh, a good manager who likes them. And I think he needs that, you know, that there's no danger, there's no harm in him stepping back for that type of move at this point in his career. Because he's still a very young player, but he does need to play. He's he's, he's not playing. Either, um, you know, he's, he's in a difficult situation uh, at Norwich. Um, I think Ed touches on it in his piece that if you're in a team in the Premier League, which is an absolutely ruthlessly difficult league, uh, no matter where you play, uh, but particularly up front, you're in a team that is really struggling. You know, they're struggling, Norwich, and they do look like they're going to go back down. It's, it's very hard for a young guy to make an impression in a side like that, it's, particularly when they're going in with get into certain games where he might be leading the line on his own up front and, and feeding off scraps. Um, and, you know, the fact that he hasn't got many goals to his name for club or country uh, will have hurt his, his confidence because that is every, every striker's main currency is goals. Um, but I just think Ida is probably... I'm not so sure that he needs a loan move right now. I think he should probably sit tight. I mean, the likelihood is that Norwich will be back in the championship again next season. And if that's the case, I mean, another good campaign in that league where either might start to find it out a little bit more regularly and they, and they you know, start to win some more games, that could be good for him. But I do think Conley, um, at this point in his career, because not only has he slipped down the pecking order with, with Brighton, He's slipping down the pecking order with Ireland as well. You know, in the way things have gone, the last international window, um, he needs to get back playing games. He needs to, to, to get back scoring goals. Yeah, because we, if we just go back two years ago to um, just after those games, or that game against Spurs where he scored twice, and then I suppose there was this clamour to get him in for Ireland. And uh, I think there were the games against Georgia and Switzerland. And ever since then, that kind of two, uh, the, the two years or so since, 
it has kind of regressed a fair bit. And as you said, yeah, I think in terms of uh, it, like he's only played four games this season, actually, when you put it all together in terms of minutes, like he's not far off what Adam Ida had played before he got the full 90 um, against Crystal Palace. But it just seems it just seems there's a kind of regression there and probably some sort of a fresh start. Now, probably loan is the, as you said, is probably the way to way to go with him. But and kind of like you mentioned there as well, the fact that Ida um, with the change of manager with Dean Smith as well, who seems to be rotating a little bit. Um, obviously, Pookie was not available against Palace, but it's I guess it's a, there is a possibility there that if he can impress in training, that possibly he could break his way into that team because it's not like Josh Sargent is scoring and Pookie isn't exactly doing it either. Yeah, I mean it's true. I think I think just on Connolly as well. Like <laughs> it's interesting that Stephen Kenny would favour Ida over Connolly or has done largely. Um, Ireland are now a system team. They they're very much a system team. There's a system and managers and you see this a lot you see it with you know say Klopp at Liverpool and, and Guardiola you see a lot of these these managers who are very dedicated to a way of playing and, and have a systematic way of playing that they'll often find guys who slot into the system um and and, and because of that say Ogbeni is a good example like he would not have been the most obvious candidate to, to elevate him, himself the way he has with Ireland in the last window but he obviously they looked at him and thought no he, he fits exactly what we need you know he has the energy and the stamina and the ability to be fluid and flexible tactically uh, and therefore you know his rise in, with Ireland over the last three or four games has been he's he's taken his chance I mean he's grabbed his chance with both hands so um, that I think favours Ida more so than Connolly I look sometimes with Aaron Connolly with Ireland um, they're not exactly sure what to do with them. Um, and, the, and the more Ireland mature and progress, the bigger problem that is for Aaron Connolly. So he does need, you know, to go out and prove, because he is a good player. He's a talented player. There's no question about that. But he does need to just remind people um, of what he, he brings to the table and, and maybe find a manager like Chris Wilder who will uh, maybe just draw something out of him that we haven't seen yet. You know, because as I said, like it's been a while since he's played regular first team football um at club level so now i agree with you rap i i think um you know he he just needs to start playing ball again and, and proving uh showing people what he has um although it is the same case for, for adam Eda, i just feel that Ida is going to get more leeway with stephen kenny because he brings a very specific quality to that team in terms of his ability to lead the line. It, it, yeah, you know, he the, does the physicality and the hold-up thing, yeah, which just should that, improve as well, but he, exactly, has, the, it, he has the raw yeah. components. Yeah. It, it, and it, it should improve, you know, because he will get stronger and, and physically more mature, but, you know, he has to play. You know, if it, it improves through playing, playing against men and playing against really good, strong uh, defenders. But I just, I do feel that either, in term, I'm just I'm talking in Ireland terms at the minute, like looking ahead to... Um, the spring and the Nations League. I, I think Ida will get a little more leadway. I think I think Conley actually does have to kind of go out and he's probably the one of the two that has a little bit more to prove at the minute. Yeah, now before we bring you Josh Cullen and uh, the interview with him just on his time at Anderlecht and with Ireland, uh, Pats are in a very interesting place and just that during this week there have been, there's been a bit of movement uh, in regards to players going from Pats to Dundalk to follow Stephen O'Donnell. Um Obviously, Dundalk are sort of going back to putting a few pieces in place that had been there before. Pats, though, in a very interesting place. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd have to feel for Pats. Like, this this is it's the way of, of the world in the League of Ireland that every year there is a bit of a, a merry-go-round. But, you know, the dust hadn't really settled on their FAI Cup win when the O'Donnell news came out. And, uh, you know, I can understand uh, if a lot of them have a, have a little sour taste over the way things have gone. Now, things are getting a little bit... Um, messy in terms of uh, O'Donnell's departure to Dundalk so that is a saga that could actually linger and it's going to make them games uh, pretty interesting this season but um, you know look I, I understand uh, if St. Pat's fans are annoyed about it to say the least or irritated about it because it just of, of the timing of it you know the fact that they couldn't really <laughs> you know it was only a couple of days I think after the cup final where this started to take over the narrative haven't had such a great win in the cup final um, you know, on the other hand, the players that have gone, I think there's uh, there's Mountney, Benson and Sam Bone are the, are the three so far. Um, look, you know, if the players want to follow a coach that they like and that they like working with and they've enjoyed and they respect, then, you know, especially to a club like Dundalk, which I think people would, the, the consensus would be that Dundalk obviously massively underachieved last season, but there's still the nucleus of, of a very good side there. And and if someone like O'Donnell can get that right and, and add a little bit more quality and just set, settle things down, you know, you could see them, you'd expect them this season to be right back up there uh, again with the experience they have. You know, I, I guess like from uh, like draw the United of last players, the St. Pats, you know, there's two or three that have, a couple so far that have followed Tim Clancy the St. Pat's and, and I think they're keen to bring uh, James Brown. They're one of a few clubs that are keen to bring James Brown as well. So, you know, th- this happens at this time of the year, but uh, as I said, the timing of it and the way that that's gone with O'Donnell, um, it is, th- there's definitely a bit of bitterness there, I think. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, the, uh, there's still plenty of time to go in the off-season. But um, anyway, we're going to bring you that interview with Josh Cullen. So I was speaking to him just before um, Christmas, just a couple of days after Anderlecht drew 2-2 with Club Brugge. And uh, it's been a great season for him. He's played pretty much every single minute of every single game this season, except the 27th of December, when, uh, as they were leading, I think, 7-0 against Earshot, um, he was uh, taken off for the last 20 minutes and a bit of a rest, so that kind of broke the pattern a bit. But anyway, uh, the first thing I asked him was um, how he has found this second season in Belgium. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been really good, uh, I suppose. Yeah, the first season, um, especially with the transfer window, the season before with COVID and everything not finishing until October. So that's when I signed, start of October. So you take a sort of period of probably three or four months settling in on and off the pitch. Um, and then sort of before you know it, you're coming towards the end of the season. So yeah, it's been it's been brilliant this year to come back settled and and um, have a good pre-season with the team. Um, and yeah, spend more time um, knowing what the manager wants from me and knowing what the manager wants from the team. And yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I'm sort of seeing the rewards, rewards for having that, and and um, yeah, played played a lot of games and played regularly, which is great. Yeah, and you're coming into this period where there is a winter break, which of course doesn't exist as a concept when you were playing in England, um, and this is going to be your second year experiencing that. Um, do you can you feel the benefits, I guess, from last year's experience of having that kind of two or three weeks around Christmas? Yeah, I think. Um, Last year was again with COVID. It was it was a short break, um, but I do definitely think um, when you have a a busy schedule, um, it is nice to to have the break um, mentally and physically. I'd say um, obviously you're 
you're fully focused on on football really from the minute you start pre-season to to the minute you end the season if you were you, you were playing in the Premier League or Championship all the way through so um, it's nice to have that time you make a lot of sacrifices you spend a lot of time away from from family and friends so to have that um, yeah little period of, of yeah a week or so that, that you get to to recharge the batteries, spend some time with, with your family and friends and and um and yeah just yeah obviously you always stay focused on football you you never switch off because we love the game but just time to sort of reset a little bit and 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 have a time to to, to clear the head and uh, and look forward to the second part of the season and i think it's it's beneficial for players yeah and from a language point of view, of course, Belgium's, uh, unlike a lot of other countries, it's kind of bilingual in that they have French and Flemish. Uh, at the club and at the training ground, which one do you use primarily? And do you have to kind of learn a bit of both? It's all English, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the main language at the at the club, meetings, training sessions, everything is, is done in English. Um, suppose lucky in that sense that I haven't had to, <laughs> to learn uh uh, French or Dutch, which, um, yeah, I suppose some would say it's a, a little bit lazy of me and I feel a little bit guilty for not doing that. But, um, yeah, we have players from, from all around the world. So um, English is the language that's, that's used, like I said, in meetings, training sessions on a match day in a changing room. Um, that's what we we communicate in. So um, I've been, yeah, lucky in that sense that I haven't had to, to, um, to go any length of time really with not knowing what people are saying um, and yeah very grateful for that I suppose. Yeah good stuff um, I suppose um, recently we were talking to Jack Byrne one of your uh, one of your Ireland teammates and of course he was in Cyprus recently he's coming home but he's also had ex other experiences abroad in the Netherlands you've also taken that uh, jump and done the adventure of going onto the continent it's not some it's not for a very common thing for players from Ireland or the UK to do it. Uh, anecdotally, what do you feel is the barrier um, preventing players following what you've done and what Jack has done? Um, I think in Ireland and, and England we're probably guilty of just focusing on the Premier League championship and that's where you want to play. Uh, I suppose where it is one of, if not the, the biggest and best league in the world, it's kind of hard not to um, because it's everywhere. Um, always shown on the TV. It's, it's so it's so massive in, in England and Ireland that um, I suppose it's just natural to get drawn. So that's where you want to play and then, and then pubs. But um, I think definitely doing this has, has widened my eyes and, and my mind to, to realising that there's, there's a big, big world of football outside of of Ireland and England and um, I think if if it's the right club and the right time in someone's career and there's a lot of things that that you have to make sure are are in place and our boxes ticked I suppose then coming abroad and uh, and experiencing a different way of life is is brilliant um, coming to yeah a city like Brussels and, and being a um, in close close proximity to to cities like Antwerp, Bruges, you can be in Amsterdam, you can be in Paris. It's 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 been much different to 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 what my life was like, sort of living living in Essex around London and, and not really knowing much more than that. So um, yeah, as long as the the football side of, of things you you look into and and you realise that it's the best thing for your career, then I think moving abroad is is a great step for 
for a player at not only early in their career but any time in their career because um, yeah, the standard of football is is really really good. And on the football side of things, um, in terms of things you might have learned technically that maybe you wouldn't have experienced in England, is there anything you've learned uh, in the Belgian league that uh, has maybe taken your game on or shown you a different side to it? Yeah, I think um, a lot of credit with that probably has to go to the manager and the coach and staff here. Um, I feel like I've developed as a player and my game has developed. Um, and that's, that just goes from from the training sessions that are put on, it's not anything specific probably that I've um, sat down with the manager and said, look, I want to improve on this, this and this. It's just from playing in a team that suits my style in and out of possession, working on things within that style every single day um, with a plan to make us better as individuals and, and as a team. And I think, um, yeah, that suits me down to the ground and, and has improved me as a player, yeah. And your boss, of course, Vincent Company, who we know very well from watching out of Manchester City and with Belgium. Um, what is he like as a man manager? And I guess in terms of how he sees your role, because, of course, uh, while he was a centre half, he also did have that, that experience of playing in a more deep lying midfield role earlier in his career at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably can't speak highly enough of, uh, of the manager and the detail he goes into is in, incredible, the amount of work him and his staff put in to prepare us for games and, and set up a game plan for every game is is great. Um, and yeah, that I think is shining through um, with the team in, in sort of recent weeks, especially with the results we've picked up. And um, yeah, it's great to learn off someone like that. Like you said, with it goes without saying, the career he had was, was a magnificent one, played at the very top level, played under world-class managers um, and and done it for a long, long time as well. So to, to learn from someone like that every day is invaluable. And um, yeah, it's, it's really definitely improved my game for sure. And as a deep-lying midfielder, I was just kind of curious um, how it impacts, how the formations impact your game. So in regard to uh, Anderlecht, where you're playing in a, with a back four behind you, and then with Ireland, where it's been a back three more recently, does it does a back three kind of give you that bit more security and ability to play on the front foot in that midfield role compared to the four where um, there's, I guess, there's less protection. So you need to be, you need to kind of cover more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely think now, obviously, if you have three centre, centre backs behind you, um, yeah, you have a little bit more licence to, um, to join in with attacks when the time's right, especially if you know your other sort of, your midfield partner will, will sit for you and, and stand in the middle of the, middle of the park, then you can you can sort of, of get forward and join in. Um, whereas the style, obviously, we, we play at Andalek, like you said, with a, with a back four and um, being being crucial in, in the build-up from the back um, and then controlling positions, counter-attack as well. Obviously, you, you don't really get um, many times where you're, you're finding yourself in, in the opposition box, but... Um, yeah, there's different different ways that different formations change the role slightly, but um, I think the, uh, the sort of basics and the principles of playing that position stay stay pretty similar. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, every every player has their their own identity, and 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 you play with with your feeling you have as a player um, and and your style within the system that that whatever manager you're playing under in in whatever formation. 
Yeah, and in the system that Stephen had lined out against Luxembourg last time, I had obviously ended really well with the with the three nil win. Um, how was it for you in midfield, I suppose, to start off with, where it was just yourself and Jeff more or less, and then obviously later in the game you had that bit more control when Jason Knight comes in. Like, was it kind of like a world of difference there, just because I suppose Luxembourg were playing kind of three players in the middle as well. Yeah, I think sometimes it, yeah, it can be tough. Obviously, like you, you touched on there, if the opposition has has three midfielders, obviously they have an overload in, in midfield, three v two. Um, so yeah, when you when you have a uh, a player that night to come on and, and help you out in there with the energy he has and, and the quality he has, then it's brilliant. Um, but I think to be honest, the the um, excuse me the uh, the forward players that we have as well um, have done a brilliant job in in helping us out as well defensively. Um, so yeah, whoever's in there, I think's been doing a great job, and um, whether that's a bit more of a, a midfielder playing an advanced role or a, a, a more of a striker playing a deeper role, um, everyone's pulling their weight and working within the the defensive organisation. We're trying to trying to all pull towards as a team, and um, yeah, everyone's been doing a great job. So um, long may that continue. Yeah, and Jeff Hendrick has been somebody in midfield in, in the last two windows who's really kind of pushed on. And your partnership has sort of been the bedrock of the Ireland midfield of late. Like, how have you looked to develop that partnership, um, given, I suppose, the fact that international football, there's so many breaks in between. Um, I guess it can be hard to develop a rhythm, but you seem to have clicked, clicked, or clicked quite well with, uh, with Jeff. Yeah, and no, I definitely, um, yeah, Jeff's been been great to me on and off the pitch from from the moment I stepped into the, to the senior squad and, and yeah, I have a good relationship with him off the pitch, which which helps on the pitch. Um, so, and playing playing with him is great. He's a he's a quality player, um, vast experience for club and country, and um, yeah, I think we complement each other well. Obviously, he he might sort of um, drive forward and venture forward a little bit more than me, but I think we balance off each other well. And um, and yeah, it's been been really enjoyable playing in there with him the the, the last few games and. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's a, it's been a good partnership, but we have a lot of top midfielders and the likes of Connor, Jason, uh, Harry R. Uh, like you said, um, Knighty as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of competition with places with, with top players and um, yeah, it's been good to play in there with Jeff, but we know that we whoever plays in there, that we have a, a good unit and, and we all get on well together and, and we're fully behind each other. Yeah, and the year is ending on a has ended on a high from the international point of view, and compare especially compared to how the twenty twenty one would have started. Um, in regard to the messaging from Stephen Kenny and his staff, did it change throughout the year, or was it a, the same kind of message being put through about the way you were going to approach games, and it just happens to have just with time um, borne fruit in in the best possible way? Yeah, no, it was it was the same messages. Um, yeah, I think. The philosophy that that the manager um, manager has, um, the players believed him from day one. But things like that take time. It was never going to click overnight and come in and try and play a, a new style of football, and it was just going to happen like that. It's it's um, something that takes time and is is tough for for a club manager, let alone an international an international manager, when you don't have um, anywhere near as much time on the training pitch to work with the team. So. Um, yeah, it took some time. Obviously, um, we had positive performances performances with not getting um, the right results that we were after. But um, like you said, the sort of last couple of camps have been good and, uh, and we've got good results to go along with the, with the performances. And I think that's 
a lot of credit goes to Junior's staff for for sticking sticking to the the philosophy and and the way of playing when there was a little bit of pressure on us as players and and obviously the management and it could have easily been right we're going to change the way we're playing but no they they were brave and and stuck to to their principles and yeah like you said now we're seeing seeing the rewards for it and also helped by the return of supporters in the the last couple of windows as well when you compare it to the let's say the Luxembourg game in March and then you fast forward um you fast forward to say the uh, the games towards the end like the Portugal one uh, in terms of the atmosphere and the difference and what that brings to you like how do you compare them yeah it's a huge difference like it's hard to sort of to explain how much of a difference that makes to to a player obviously when uh, at the time when you're playing behind closed doors you you have to um be professional and and you still know the, the match means loads and, uh, and that you you need to and create your own atmosphere i suppose as players but nothing can um can recreate a full of either or a four away end where we're playing seeing our fans that have followed to they've they've traveled to, to follow us and support us and and turn out in their their thousands and sell out the avivaris that that can't be recreated so as much as it was at the time it was tough for players but we we had to be professional and like i said create our own atmosphere you can never create the the atmosphere that, that, that the island fans create and um yeah we're lucky to have such great fans who who back us home and away yeah, and just a couple of things now before I let you go. So first off, when you made your West Ham debut, you were coming on for uh, Joey O'Brien. Um, obviously, you've talked about Mark Noble as a captain and kind of, I suppose, as an inspiration, kind of playing in the same position as you. But Joey O'Brien, um, what was he like to you, I suppose, as a young player coming through? Because obviously he was kind of vastly experienced by the by that point. I think he left uh, West Ham shortly after that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant to me. Joey was great. Um, yeah, it was lucky to be coming through at a time when um there was a lot of really sort of good senior pros at West Ham um who set a great example for for us as uh, as young players and and Joey was one of them who um yeah set an example on and off the field what it takes to to become a professional and and have a successful career um and yeah it was just great to be, be able to train with him and learn off him and and then like you said to um so yeah, for him to to make way for me in my my professional debut, um, yeah, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and one final one. This is more I'm more curious because this is the county I'm from, which is Leitrim, and yeah. I know your yeah. your your family background. I think it's on your father's side. Uh, both grandparents yeah. are from Leitrim. Have you ever been? And is it and if not, like is it kind of on the bucket list of a place you you're kind of intending to go when there's time or maybe at the end of your career? Yeah, no, it's massively. I, I haven't been. Obviously, my my grandparents moved to to London, um, but it is massively on my bucket list sooner rather than later to go. Um, yeah, my parents uh, went. I think it might have been last year. Now went back and and sent me sent me some some photos and pictures of where um, yeah, nan and granddad grew up and and the houses they lived in. And um, so yeah, it's it's a hundred percent sooner rather than later. Um, definitely something that, that, that I'll be doing um, because yeah something I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to do and go back and and yeah see see, see where my roots are and and, um, and yeah it'll, it'll be really nice
good stuff. You've got a good welcome anyway. So, uh, but anyway, Josh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks a million for uh, taking the time and best of luck with uh, the rest of the season with Anderlecht and obviously the uh, once international football returns in March as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. So that was Josh Cullen on his time with Anderlecht and also with Ireland. And uh, also thanks to Anthony for joining me earlier. But uh, that is it for this week and also for this year. The RT Soccer Podcast will be back next year for what 2022 has in store. But uh, thanks a million for listening in this year. We'll be back uh, very, very soon. But Happy New Year. (laughs) 